when I express myself through cooking a dish for um, friends, family, clients, there's a meaning to it. It's not just a plate of food. And I try to and share that story with whomever um, I have the privilege of, of cooking for. Claire, and today I'm delighted to be sitting for a talk with Chef Oscar Yip. Oscar is a culinary expert with international experience and a keen sense of the ecologies of humans and food. Oscar was born in Saltillo, in the state of Cojuilla, in Mexico. He later completed medical school at the University of Monterrey. Upon receiving that degree, he realized his heart was with the culinary arts and switched his vocational course. Training primarily in Austin with a prominent restaurant group there, Oscar also had the opportunity to cook in a three-star Michelin restaurant in the Basque country of Spain, a town called San Sebastian, a restaurant called Martín Beresetegüe. Paying attention all along the way, Oscar continues deeply attentive to the intimate connection between human well-being and the well-being of the natural world. His culinary craft and practice hold that connection as the lodestar, guiding his work with food as well as his presence in life. In our conversation, we explore this relationship and the way it's available for all people who are open to the inquiry. Good morning, Oscar Yip. It's so good to see you. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Very happy to be here. Yeah, it's really a delight that you can join us here on How It Looks From Here. From clear over in Austin, Texas, one of the first questions that I generally ask um, guests to the podcast is, well, how does it look to you from there? How does the world look? And you can interpret that question any way you like. Right on, Mary. I, um, the the world the world seems different every day, um, and and uh, as 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 we navigate through our days, or at least as I navigate through my day, um, I find familiarities and, and similarities of of um, of things that I'm comfortable with, and also of uh, new things. A lot of new things. Um, I guess I can feel that there's a lot of disconnect in a way. Um, given the the last several years of, of of global happenings, and at least in on on my end, um, I can see I can see us all yearning for more connection, um, being with ourselves and community, and um, especially to our food and where it comes from. So that's that's kind of the outlook and the perspective that I, that I'm getting. Um, from my uh, from my humble seat um, in this world. Well, yes, I you. That's probably part of what makes you such a great chef. That functioning and uh, authentic humility. Um, but as a chef, I I would ask maybe give um, our listeners a little background about how you came to being a chef. Yeah, Mary. I I this is kind of a very weird story. 
one one of the things that I, I share with a lot of people that, that have a love for cooking and, and sharing um, and expressing themselves through this through this beautiful craft is is my very first memories of anything having to do with food was with my grandmother's and um, my mother's mother and my father's mother. And I, I just remember being fascinated by the things that they were doing. And I, that stuck with me in an, in an unconscious way throughout uh, pretty much my entire life until um, I was in college and just began cooking because, you know, I couldn't survive off of uh, uh, instant ramen noodles and, and popcorn all the time. So uh, it, it, I get, it, it was a natural, it was a natural progression to, to want to eat better um, during those years. And during those, during these years, we, we would have uh, friendly get togethers. And um, it was just one of those things where I always wanted to cook for my friends and it was very satisfying and um, everyone would, would bring beer because they knew that I was going to cook or, you know, it was just this, it was a very community um, oriented activity and the food was bringing people together, but I didn't realize it at that time. So uh, fast forward a couple of years and I'm in medical school and it was just a, an easy choice to, to go through medical school. My, my older brother is a physician. He's four years older than me. And I, I said, why not? I'll be a doctor too. So after medical school, I realized that I didn't want to be a doctor and I wanted to cook. So, so when, until, until med after medical school where I decided, well, I think I, I really want to cook. And, and I told my, my dad and he, he kind of saw it coming. He wasn't, he wasn't very surprised and he was very encouraging. He said, he said, son, go, go cook, go, go work in a restaurant before before we send you to culinary school, you need to go work in a restaurant. And that's what I did. And uh, my, my mother, she was pretty upset about it, uh, but in the end, um, we're showing her support um, as, as, as time went by. And I, I moved back to Austin, Texas, um, my childhood home, and took my CV in to, to one of the best restaurants in town. And I spoke to the chef de cuisine there and he's holding my CV, reading it, and he says, what, why are you here? What are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, well, I just want to learn how to cook. And that was it, Mary. And, and that's how I got into the professional um, world of cooking. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's great that you had your parents' support. And it's really, it seems... Um kind of out of the box, kind of super brave to say, you know, I really don't want to do medicine. I want to cook. So I do know that um, your parents, I forget where they met, but I know that your mother is from Mexico and your father is from China. Those are two different cultural and, and gastronomic backgrounds. How, how did that affect you? Yes, they. My mother's from Saltillo, Coahuila, it's northern Mexico, and my father's from Hong Kong. And they they met studying, uh, going to school here in the United States um, 
doing their undergrad. And, and in a way, I was very fortunate to be exposed to two very important food cultures in our world. Um, and they both stem from thousands and thousands of years of, of cooking traditions. And, um, and, and they're both very nuclear family oriented food in these cultures is, is a, is a very important way of life, I guess. And it's a foundation of, of the family. And so getting, getting to explore all these different flavors as a young child, I guess, helped open me up to, well, what else is out there? What other flavors are out there? I was never afraid to try something new. I, you know, I was never the kid that that said, ew, I don't want to try mushrooms or olives or uh, I don't, I don't like cheese. You know, I, I, I ate every single thing. And, and if there was <laughs> something that I'd never eaten before, I'd uh-huh. get even more excited. I was like, well, well, what's hummus? You know, I, I remember the time I tried hummus <laughs> for the very first time. And one of my teachers in, in grade school uh, gave me a little bit of hummus on some pita. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is great. Wow. Wow, that's great. Well, uh, you've also been, you were raised uh, a lot of your life. You were born in Mexico, is that correct? Yes. And how long were you you and your brother raised there? So I lived in Saltillo from the time I was born until I was four years old. And when I was four, my brother was eight. The family moved to Austin, Texas, where my mother would continue her um, graduate and postgrad studies at the University of Texas. Okay. So we lived, yeah, we lived in Texas for 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 several years. At least I did until um, the sixth grade. And so you've you had all this opportunity to exp- or to enjoy all these different foods, and then you also really got to play the land that you lived on early was Mexico was in Mexico and the land you lived on in the middle of your childhood was in Texas. How did the land affect you when you were growing up? I think the lands played a very, I'm going to call it a, a, a seeding role to to my, as a young adult and, and my adulthood, because uh, I was always playing outside. There was, I, I had to be outside. Um, uh, you know, as a kid, it was being outside, being with friends was the most important thing in the world to me. And if I misbehaved or did something bad and I was grounded from being outside, that was the worst thing in the world for me that could, hap- that could happen. Uh. So little did I know that, that this love of being outside would translate into my adulthood to uh, as of as of you know the last several years playing a very important role in uh, discovering um, inner spirituality and connection with the land and the animals in in a very uh, deep and respectful way translating that to just appreciating natural beauty in its natural state for exactly what it is and having the privilege to witness the wild things out there just as they are in this world. Um, and I think that that childhood kind of set me up up for that. And 
with the land, with being able to connect with the land, um, deepen my understanding of food, the importance of it, where it come, when where it comes from, and food, uh, being vegetables, or even just where our water comes from, and more so the animals that we choose to harvest for to eat as well um, has really deepened my connection and understanding. So when I express myself through cooking a dish for um, friends, family, clients, there's, there's a meaning to it. It's not just a plate of food. And I try to and share that story with whomever um, I have the privilege of of cooking for and so like what what do you say that that kind of reveals how a chef can also be a teacher a chef can also be one who brings uh, those of us who really aren't necessarily paying attention back into some level of awareness of how the food that we eat can teach us and connect us with who we really are which is nature in nature. Um, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you share with people? Um, do you share about the ingredients? Do you share about the, the uh, ancestry of the food for you personally and then just from the land itself? What sorts of things do you share with people? I like to share the, there, because there's, there's so much that goes on on, on a dish. That, that I'm kind of just like the dude at the end of the line that assembles everything. <laughs> but there's, a good point. There's, there's just so much story behind an ingredient before it even gets to me. So when I'm at the farmer's market in Bozeman or Livingston, you know, they have gorgeous, gorgeous produce, and I get to meet the people that are growing this stuff. And they, they have there's so much pride in, in what they're doing and you can you can feel it and you can understand it just the way they talk about it and you can see the product and that's that's one of the main stories that I like to share share with with the people that are eating my food is hey check out this garlic it is from so and so in Montana and it was grown by so and so and they're so proud of it. And and then I I tell them that well I'm just kind of assembling this 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 dish for for us to enjoy here, but the the story of where the ingredients come from, who is raising or growing these things, is really important for me to share because they they play such an intricate role in the expression of this final dish. And uh, more so if if um, they have another story to tell. From, from that story. Um, and it goes beyond the dining room is, is what I really like to, uh, when I have the opportunity to show show my clients is, well, we take them out into the field and um, harvest uh, ramps or wild chives or chive blossoms or wild mint down by, by the streams and rivers. And I think it's, it's when this happens, we really get to share or show or remind um, ourselves that we need to have this connection. We need to appreciate where things come from. And we need to 
treat a meal time, a gathering in a ceremonial way. It's special. You know, it's it's not only are we are we getting nourishment and we can go into nutrition and, and uh, physiology, but there's so much more to it than that. There's just there's a we're fostering a human connection with each other, um, intentionality and and having having a ceremony by eating a meal and, and showing the gratitude for what we're eating and who we're eating with. And that's the, the beauty about about all of this. Well, I know that um, there's a pull in your life to authenticity of spirit. And um, as you've interacted with, with food, that has offered guidance for that spiritual in, integrity. Um, would you, what would you, is there an experience that you could share uh, as a chef or as, as a one who experiments with food? Um, what would you share about the way that food can connect us to spirit? You've sort of been alluding to that in what you've been speaking about up to now. Yeah, I, th- I think spirituality comes in, uh, in many forms and the food really connects us to our spirituality of our home our home being our planet our home being our environment and a lot of folks live in um in a very urban environment and that can be difficult to appreciate so so giving giving gratitude and being conscious about where a certain meal is coming from can definitely help those of us who are, who are in an urban environment. But if you know you ever have the privilege of being out amongst the mountains or out camping and prepare a meal and share a meal there, um, you're definitely going to feel this connection of spirituality to the land, and and because what we eat comes from the land it um it nurtures us and we're from the land so it, there's it's all connected in a way and uh and and once when you're when you realize that and you're eating a plate of food and you're sharing it with friends and loved ones you're gonna feel it it's it's this this very beautiful sensation This is Mary Claire and How It Looks From Here. Stay with us. We'll be back after this brief break. I also want you to hear a little bit more, and I imagine our listeners might like this, you alluded to that background in medicine. I mean, you you have an MD degree. degree. Um, what do you see about food as medicine? Well, it's this is a great, great uh, uh, subject. Food as food is medicine. It's our medicine. It's our natural medicine. It's it's we're supposed to be eating what's from this planet because we are from this planet, and. In a way, if we take away all of our technology, everything, we're still humans. We're still from here, and we're meant to be here. And the things that 
are available for us to eat was created with intention for us to eat and our bodies were created with intention to accept these uh, magnificent things that we have to eat so so food is medicine in the physiological sense and in the spiritual sense but more so more so we've all the industrialization um, has has uh, modified the food we eat to be read of readily available and to some degree available at a very low cost and with those advances uh, civilization it it has really diminished the quality of the medicine that they it provides as a nutrient to our body so processed foods um seed oils um things that that we don't really need physiologically but are in our foods now because they facilitated some kind of um industrial process or or economic uh gain so it, it's and personally I can speak for myself you know mm. having experienced uh, some ailments and how I've refused to take a certain type of medicine um especially for a, a GI condition I had I did some research and and it was the the gut biome was out of whack there you go yeah it took going to a GI doc and um doing all sorts of tests we even got to a colonoscopy which at my age is 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 quite rare right. so they were eliminating um everything that it could be and and there was only scary stuff left that could possibly be so I had to do a colonoscopy and um thank goodness they didn't find anything um alarming and the conclusion was was that my biome was at a whack from a a rare e coli infection and, wow um, and i thought well you know what after all of this time after all of this effort after all of this worrying after all of this money spent for it to be that i'm going to take care of it myself by eating so i i started eating kimchi yes a lot of ferment a lot of fermented foods yes um, milk milk kefir yes um just things that have a lot of great uh microorganisms and i tell you what mary i've been great ever since that's fantastic there you go food is medicine when we listen when we listen and so what chefs are doing or can are capable in the position of being able to do this is back to the teaching it seems to me is to to bring us back to reawaken us to the capacity we have to listen to food and to our body and how those two can go together in ways that contribute to everybody's health uh the the health of the planet and the health of these bodies um that's pretty exciting um yeah well i know that you had the opportunity to work at a michelin rated restaurant in spain um and i wonder about what you observed as uh the was the spirit of food still evident in that kind of setting and really is it always there whether the chef and consumers recognize it or not what would you say to that 
That's a that's a great question. I would say that that the spirit of food and where it comes from is even more present in at the highest level of of uh, of of the culinary world that um, that we have, and uh, many many consider the highest level to be the three Michelin stars. And I was fortunate enough to be part of the team at uh, Martin Berazategui in the Basque Country in Spain, right next to France, in um, the beautiful sea town of San Sebastián, or as they would say in their beautiful uh, native language, Guipuscoa. Yes, the spirit and the importance of food is the basis of of cooking, at least in in this in this restaurant, because it's all about the ingredient and where it comes from. And it was so beautiful, Mary. I got to experience um, one morning. I was on a meat and fish station, and the chef and owner Martin. He was there every day that that uh, for the time that I got to be there, and him and the other chefs. Um, we're at the center of the kitchen. They have their station and, you know, overseeing everything. And then all of a sudden you just hear this door swing open and someone, and someone's yelling, Martin, Martin. And some dude comes walking in with a giant hake and uh, a fresh, fresh caught a couple hours wow. ago. And it happened to be uh, one of Martin's childhood friends that's been a fisherman for the last 40 years. Walks in with this, walks in with this beautiful, beautiful fish that he just caught, and brings it in. And all the chefs are just in awe of this magnificent creature. Oh wow! Look, look how fresh it is. Look how healthy it is. Um, what a what a great size this was to harvest. Um, the, the animals being looked at and admired and appreciated, and and. It was it was for the restaurant. This is how how they get their ingredients ah. is from folks like this fisherman. That's part of the community, and and the same same the same thing would happen with the the guy that brought the butter in from France from from almost half an hour away would come in with this giant wicker basket and this mound this ball of the most beautiful deep rich yellow almost like egg yolk kind of color. Wow. Butter from his, his small production dairy farm half an hour away, just just over the border in France. And this is this is the way food used to be and in and in these restaurants this is the way food is and they and it's just a continuation of the celebration of these ingredients and how we're supposed to eat. We're supposed to eat with what's around us. We're supposed to eat with what uh, we're supposed to eat. What's in season? Because when things are grown in season, that that's that's the best product you're going to get for that month, you know. And it's okay to have it's okay to not have peppers in the winter time because in the winter time we have Jerusalem artichokes and all kinds of yes. beautiful root vegetables, and then in the springtime we start to get really nice lettuces and going into into the summer and we get tomatoes and uh, peppers and um, you know grapes and it just kind of depends on what what in what hemisphere you're in but but it's it's okay to not have what we want 
any given time of year with the food. It's supposed to be special. You know, we're supposed to we're supposed to um, savor the very short season of figs in the fall, and and we're supposed to get excited about these things, you know, and appreciate them. Yeah. And so so that's the way that these restaurants operate at this very very high level, um, and as far as the customers um at 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 the restaurant you know it's a every every single diner that's coming into the restaurant it's it's usually a special occasion for them you know it's it's a graduation a celebration an anniversary a um a firstborn you know it's something you know the folks that are coming to eat they're really they're celebrating something in life so to to be able to offer them the best possible ingredients from the region when when they're supposed to be eaten in that season it just continues to tie into the celebration and the spirituality of bringing people together um, so so i would say that that even at the very highest level of our culinary world this is this is very evident, and if so, even more. And so there we are back with what, what all of this um, interaction with food by those who prepare it can teach the rest of us and remind the rest of us, bring back to life for the rest of us that we are what we eat <laughs> yes. and that we are the natural world in expression and we are in a very deep kinship and um, certainly relationship but and kinship really with the world that provides these foods for our sustenance this is beautiful thank you so much for this I'm wondering as we come to a close here if there's any well what would you leave as kind of uh, I, I know you referred earlier to um, to your age and I know that you were born in the 80s, so um, that's very cool that you are this accomplished at this age. But that also implies that you have things that you can share with people. What do, could our listeners, what advice or suggestions would you give to our listeners here as we close? Yeah, Mary, it was, it was pretty cool to be born in the late 80s. I'm, I'm 36 today, and... Uh, I, I, I'm on this path and journey to to always continue learning and and better my skills and, um, you know, as a as a creator, um, I always want to better the way that I express myself. You know, be that through through the culinary arts or I also do uh, woodworking and welding as hobbies. So it's it's this um, this. I guess my gift is is to create to create things. I guess I'd like to um, share with everyone that to to always keep this spirit of being a student um, th- throughout our lives because that just that leaves us to to being open to try new things to to understand new things um, or even understand um, ourselves in, in a way. And to celebrate things 
as they are, the, the food as it is naturally, um, how it's supposed to be eaten, uh, and all of these things deserve uh, just as much respect as any other of our daily activities and, and just as much respect as our work and, and, uh, and the way that we play and do things that we love to do. And to include uh, food as a part of a daily ceremony, I think, um, can really deepen our connection. You know, not everyone has a chance to visit the farms and get to know the, the, the producers. And, and uh, a lot of folks don't get to harvest and hunt um, animals to eat. But just, just having this daily practice of gratitude or just giving acknowledgement where our, our lettuce is coming from or, you know, or even the cereal that, that we'd like to have. Um, it's coming from somewhere. Someone produced that there, there were some families that work to, for, and they, so for us to have, have, you know, beautiful chioga beets or um, gem lettuce, you know, it's, it's uh, just showing a little, just showing gratitude amongst yourselves, amongst ourselves um, before we're eating or while we're eating, I think. I think can really help deepen our connection with, with our food and with ourselves and just contribute to an overall state of appreciation and gratitude in our lives, which is, uh, which is, which can be very healing. And it's just a really good practice. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's great. I just really appreciate your taking the time to, to share your, your thoughts and your insights with this How It Looks From Here podcast, Oscar. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. You can learn more about where Oscar is preparing food by contacting him through Wolf House in Austin. That's Wolf House, Austin, W-O-L-F-H-O-U-S-E, Austin.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at Oscar M. Yip. Several years ago, Oscar moved out of chefing for restaurants, and now his main focus is cooking as a private chef for high-end events. But there's another great way to learn more about Oscar. Come to one of our Full Ecology retreats this June on JBRL Ranch in the Centennial Valley of Montana. Oscar will be the chef for each of those and will contribute additional guidance on food and full ecology for the Full Ecology Solstice Retreat. We'll leave all relevant links in the show notes. And now before we go, a quick pitch for our podcast. If you like what you're hearing on How It Looks From Here, make sure to subscribe. Let's get these perspectives out there. Tell your friends and family. Share a link right now with someone you know would enjoy learning How It Looks From Another Viewpoint. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. How It Looks From Here is an educational project of full ecology. How It Looks From Here is produced by me, Mary Claire, editing by Gary Ferguson, music by Gary Ferguson, and other artists noted in the show notes. Find us on Instagram at Full Ecology 
or at www.foleycology.com. Keep listening and be in touch. Mm-hmm.